Production. Recorded live. Hello and welcome to the Lost Number Podcast. This is the podcast that we will be discussing a project that Mike Maloney of ChronologicallyLost.com put together, where he took all the episodes and mobisodes and compiled them into 101 episodes that put Lost, the series, in a linear timeline. Today we are talking about episode 096, episode 96, 2007, The Island Day 14. My name is Wendy, and with me tonight is someone who also just found her first gray hair. It's Anna. Hi, Anna. How's it going? Oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> you know, I was just talking to a coworker about that last week because someone came up to him and said, you have a gray hair, but don't worry. It makes you look distinguished. <laughs> just one? <laughs> I guess. No, we've got more. And I said, well, I, I don't know. I haven't found any yet. But I have some that if they look white, I just decided they're really, 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 really blonde. That That's somehow got highlight. in there. <laughs> yep. It's just very blonde highlights. It's not gray. Right. It's not gray yet. No. Not yet. Not yet. Did, do you want to live, though? Or you sounded disappointed. Like, oh. oh, I do want to live. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> like Richard, I want to live. <laughs> I'm not blowing myself up with dynamite in an old abandoned <laughs> ship. That's for sure. <laughs> oh. Uh, are there any themes in this episode that you caught this time? Uh, my theme this time is based on a Kate quote. Nothing is irreversible, she oh. said. So, Albert's agelessness is not irreversible. Miles finds a gray hair on Richard's head. Albert's attitude about life is also not irreversible. Just a few episodes ago, he was trying to blow himself up, and now he's saying that he wants to live. Jack has taken Jacob's place, but even that is not irreversible. He can pass the job on to Hurley. The plane's hydraulics are in bad shape, but this is also reversible uh, with a good amount of duct tape. <laughs> Desmond, Desmond pulls the plug on the island and the island starts shaking itself to pieces. Will this be irreversible? Nope. Jack is able to put the plug back and stop the destruction in time. Um, the man in black was invulnerable, but that too is reversible. He becomes vulnerable after Desmond pulls the plug out. But it seems, sadly, that the only thing that isn't reversible is death. Man in Black being shot by Kate and then shoved off the cliff by Jack. There's no coming back from that. And Jack, with his stab wound and then exposure to electromagnetic energy in the pool in the cave. That is not reversible. Very good. Uh, this time, <laughs> is uh, there will be blood or seeing red. Either way. A lot of red in this episode. So those red flowers all over this episode. They're everywhere. Ones we talked about past few episodes, they just keep showing up. So Ben is loading his gun, getting prepared to draw blood if necessary as well. Sawyer is tending to Kate's bloody shoulder. See a little montage in the beginning. Ben gets elbowed in the face by Sawyer and gets a bloody mouth. Desmond is wearing a blood-red shirt, signifying his impending sacrifice, or will it be? Locke threatens to slit Rose and Bernard's throats if Desmond come with him, but Desmond will if he promises not to touch them, ever. And Claire <laughs> threatens to spill Miles, Richards, and Frank's blood on the beach by trying to follow Locke's orders and spilling hers first, but they aren't there to kill her, but to rescue her, to no avail. Kate tries to unload her gun on Locke to spill his blood, again, to no avail. Desmond sees the bloodshed, 
many centuries before him in the light cave, and his blood will pour out of his nose as he tries to prove Lock wrong and pull the stone plug out of the well. Also, to no avail. What he thought was going to happen. Jack and Desmond weren't entirely wrong about what happened in the light cave. Locke is now mortal, uh, indicated by the blood in his mouth after Jack punches him. But Locke bloodies Jack on the side of his head with a rock and renders him unconscious. After an epic battle between Jack and MIB on the uh, rain-covered rocks, his blood is running down Locke's face. He levels the death blow to Jack, stabbing him in his side, causing a bloody mortal wound, along with gashes to Jack's neck. But it's Kate that draws blood on Locke, uh, which he wanted to do earlier with a single shot to the back. Jack knows that he can't let the island sink, and he has to be the sacrifice and finish what Dead started. But before Kate and Sawyer leave on the Elizabeth to get to to the plane, Jack extends a blood-covered hand to Sawyer. Thanks, Doc, for everything. And with a bloody hand, Jack hands Hurley the water to drink to become the new Jacob or the new Jack before he sacrificed himself in the light cave. The switches on the plane's console to start the engines running are three blood-red switches. Hmm. Hugo also wears a blood-red shirt, uh, realizing Jack is now gone and that he is now the island's protector with Ben's help. Jack, now covered in blood, makes his way from the river to the bamboo field in time to see his friends leave and be comforted by Vincent and comes full circle with his eye closing. Men's hands, uh, two men, the Dharma station, and Guam red envelopes with severance pay for all the years. They've been there and will be taken care of for good. When Pierre Chang is talking about the Hurley bird. The word bird is in big blood red letters on a sign over his cage, and on the table next to it looks like two containers of blood in the background. Um, to get a fish biscuit, which is red, uh, you have to push a red lever and a red button. And room 23, it's also in blood red numbers. Pierre Chang is wearing red headphones. And lastly, Walt uh, separates the red from the black checkers. He's playing um, Connect Four. Hmm. And Ben puts the Dharma granola bar on the pile of red checkers. It's, in, it's time to go back to the island. Hmm. Uh, so any other stuff in this episode? Oh, Hollywood and Vines as they're hiking. Mm. Love it. Love it. Um, and then uh, Kate talking to Jack, and then Hurley says, this would be so sweet if we weren't all about to die. <laughs> <laughs> kind of uncharacteristically negative for her. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> uh, we get two two instances of Jack laughter. <laughs> where, you know, he should maybe be crying, but he's laughing <laughs> at the wrong time. He's he's laughing in Man in Black's face. You think you're gonna destroy the island, and then he like puts the plug back in, the water starts flowing, and he just mm-hmm. sits there and laughs and laughs. Like, oh, Jack. <laughs> uh, now there were a couple really obvious references that were in there for nostalgic reasons again. Mm-hmm. Um, Sawyer saying that's a hell of a long con, Doc. It's like, yeah. okay, you named an episode that was a Sawyer-centric episode, long con. Okay, we get it. And Jack said. Find me some thread and I can count to five. <laughs> oh, not that story again. Um, <laughs> everywhere, like like angel here, possibly. Um, I like the the juxtaposition of Desmond saying it doesn't matter, you know, nothing matters, and Jack saying everything matters. Um, 
so just kind of coming down to the two worldviews that are really at battle here again at the end except it's not science versus faith any well it kind of is science versus faith um but it's desmond's view of what's coming in the afterlife and mm-hmm. so he doesn't think it, anything matters versus jack saying no everything here is important it all matters and then miles with his own version of faith i don't believe in much but i do believe in ducting <laughs> And the the Jack Desmond thing, they're both right. Yeah, in a way. You know, ultimately, they're they're both right. Yes, this stuff. It does matter. Ultimately, it doesn't matter, but it really does matter. It still does matter. And yeah. (laughs) Otherwise, there'd be no point to living, and it'd be like a giant suicide cult. Yeah. (laughs) Like, let's just get to that afterlife art. Now, stuff we do here matters, and what happens after uh, I liked the nice cut from Jack running towards Locke on the cliff to punch. And remember, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. oh And then yes. <laughs> he comes right back to it. He cuts right to the punch. Yeah, that was so there very isn't well done. Like that kind of trying to m- meet those together. It's just, he no. did that really well. So good job. Yeah. Loved it. Uh, I like uh it's a surprise. I just love that it's one of my favorite lines. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, that might be it you know, Jack, you know, you being the obvious choice, it'll break in the fourth wall a little bit because we're all thinking it's like, Really? Well Jacob, I would have thought but <laughs> like, Well, mm-hmm. I guess he kinda did. <laughs> uh, Sawyer's bag of nicknames, you just get all munch in this one today. Mm-hmm. The fight is epic. It's great. Um, the stabbing and then kicking into the fire with Jacob, and that might be he gets the stabbing and the kicking out the cliff. Uh-huh. In return, there you go. Uh, I'll make it hurt. I mean, I I remember watching that that night <laughs> and thinking the first time this is the last episode. Anything could happen. I really mm-hmm. thought the possibility of Rosen Bernard just getting killed right there. It's not yeah, above yeah. loss or beneath loss or however you want to look at it to <laughs> do something like that. So that was particularly scary. And uh, Terry O'Quinn, the look in his face, his eyes throughout this episode, he just really, very good. He just sold it. <laughs> yeah. The jump off the cliff by Kate and Sawyer. That's just. Whew. I forgot about that. <laughs> Man, I'm just, every time I'm thinking she is just gonna like smash on those rocks jumping on there. I've seen it like I don't know how many times, but it's still like, <gasps> like could you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I might be like her, like ah, dude, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I would. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's you know they're pretty brave. Whoever did those jumps, yeah, wow. Uh, it's the island falling apart. Sometimes CGI can be iffy, but this was very convincing. I thought. Mm-hmm. A lot of moving moments in this episode. Just many, many, many. Um, MIB talking like, like, <laughs> I think there was a dog here. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's, oh, it cracks me up every time. That sound Ben makes when Sawyer elbows him in the face. Oh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> And Hurley, in the epilogue, he speaks with the same inflection as Jacob to Walt. I was listening with like, headphones this time. I was like, he, 
he sounds like Jacob. Really? Huh. Yeah. Uh, Kate remaining hurt throughout the episode and not forgetting she was shot. Yeah. <laughs> She's like struggling <laughs> and in pain. You can hear, like, yeah, so many movies and TV shows do that. And it's like, oh, I got shot. And then they just do whatever they're doing for the rest of the show because we have to move along. But, and, of course, the music throughout this. Yeah. Any best wearing of a scarf in this one? Ooh, I don't know if anyone had time to wear a scarf in this mm. one. <laughs> no, there were a lot of duct tape. <laughs> That's about it. There was duct tape. We're wrapping yeah. things in duct tape. Well, uh, now we're going to wrap up this section, and we're going to move on to the next one, which is As the Frozen Donkey Wheel Turns. This is a survey of dates within the show covered and original episodes and their air dates used to create the chronologically lost episode and a review of major timeline events with discussion of any possible timeline discrepancies. This episode, there is one regular episode and the epilogue. In the first episode, this is the end, of course. Season 6, episode 17, written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse and directed by Jack Bender. Air date, May 23rd, 2010. Lost related news or info for May 23rd. May 23rd, 1934. Infamous American bank robbers Bonnie and Clyde are ambushed by police and killed in Bainville Parish, Louisiana. And in a flashback, we see David, a businessman who came into contact with Sawyer through his wife, Jessica, whom Sawyer was having an affair with. And a false investment plan involving oil drilling in Louisiana. He and his wife were almost come out of $160,000 until Sawyer spotted the couple's young child, presumably recalled what happened to himself as a child and left his money behind. That was from season one's confidence man. Also, May 23rd, 1618. Second, <laughs> let me see if I can get defensestration of Prague precipitates the Thirty Years' War. The defensestration of Prague uh, were two incidents in the history of Bohemia in which multiple people were defensestrated. <laughs> defenestrated? Thrown, defenestrated, blah, blah. Thank you. It's all one word together, defenestrated. I.e. thrown out of a window. The oh, first dear. occurred in 1419 and the second in 1618. Although the term defenestration of Prague most com- more commonly referred to the second, each helped to trigger prolonged conflict within Bohemia and beyond. The Thirty Years' War was a series of wars in Central Europe between 1618 and 1648. It was one of the longest and most destructive conflicts in European history, as well as the deadliest European religious wars resulting in 8 million casualties. Sad loss number there. And uh, unfortunately, defenestration was what happened to John Locke by his father, (laughs) the man from Tallahassee. And that was the answer to the long-asked question, what caused Locke to be paralyzed and being put into a wheelchair. Time-related trivia for this episode, the plug in the heart uh, of the island has markings on it. The clerics of which is some um, uh, conform script, a form of writing used for a very long time by different civilizations in the area that's now Iraq, notably uh, Akkadian and Sumerian language groups from 5000 to 1000 BC. And the end 
aired just five days after the previous episode, What They Died For. This is the second shortest time between airings of original episodes in the U.S. after Because You Left and The Lie, which appeared back-to-back on the same night. The decision to air the series finale on Sunday, the 23rd of May, instead of its usual Tuesday night slot, at least that time, was most likely done to allow the show to conclude on a date that corresponded with the numbers. 23 was Jack's candidate's number. Since much of the episode focused on Jack, he was the last of the characters to wake up, and it ended with his death seemed fitting. The end is the longest-running episode of Lost, 104 minutes and 42 seconds. The last act of the end is 19 minutes and 21 seconds long, the longest act of any episode. This usual unusual occurrence was due to ABC's decision to extend the episode past the original two-hour runtime. Elizabeth Mitchell filmed hospital scenes on her birthday in the early hours, and the cast and crew had a small celebration for her on March 27th. Filming wrapped up with shots of Hurley and Ben pulling Desmond out of the cave at 5 a.m. on Saturday, April 24th. 2010, six-year anniversary of wrapping up filming for the pilot and also Damon Lindelof's birthday. And post-production was completed on Monday, May 17, 2010. That info came from Wikipedia. And the other episode, which is not an episode, it's an epilogue, is The New Man in Charge, written by Melinda Sue Taylor and Graham Rowland and Jim Galasso, directed by Paul Edwards. And this aired August 24th, 2010 on the complete Season 6 DVDs and Blu-rays and the complete series box set. Lost related news or info for August 24th. August 24th, 2006. Lost experience clues. This information was revealed in part through the alternate reality gain the Lost experience during hiatus between Seasons 2 and 3. And this was Rachel Blake's email. A number of subscribed Hanzo Exposed gamers are reporting an email from Rachel Blake. She writes, the time has arrived. If you haven't been with to www.apollocandy.com, go there now. Find the Apollo bars. Then head to www.whereisalvar.com. Let's show the Hanzo Foundation what they're really up against. You've waited a long time for it. And I promise you, the truth is coming, Rachel. Where is Alvar.com website is now live anymore. As of today, where is Alvar.com is active. There are instructions from Rachel asking users to upload their pictures with Apollo bars and hunt for special golden bars. Once sufficient numbers of bars have been uploaded, the truth will be revealed. New Apollo bar password from the UK. For Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, the new code is Rachel Blake. At HanzoExposed.com, there were 50 glyph codes had been released, only 42, ha, the irony, had yet to be found. <laughs> and uh, one that was, re- well, there were two released that day, Code 49, date found August 24th, location Balmain, a suburb of Sydney, Australia, description Thomas Middlework talking in the beginning of the transcript says, we have engineered into the virtue, no, no, virtue, virtual, uh, and Code 50, date found August 24th, Location, Singapore's MediaCore TV site. Description, Alvar Hanzo narrating as Pearl and Swan logos slide onto the screen. Transcript starts with Hanzo. We have constructed several stations on the island. Also, on August 24th, 
1200, King John of England, singer, a signer of the first Magna Carta, medieval Latin for the Great Charter, marries Isabella of Aglomene in Bordeaux Cathedral. And on August 24th, 1215, Pope Innocent III declares the Magna Carta invalid. And Magna Carta is the name of the only known album of the 1970s band, Geronimo Jackson, first appearing on Lost in some form in season two. On the album is the song Narma Lady, which appeared on the show in season five. Uh, some time-related trivia for this epilogue. The epilogue does not take place on the island, but in the Hydra orientation uh, film, it does. The print out at the Dharma Logistics Warehouse states the launch window to be Wednesday, straightforward. I just had written down that I really liked the, the Jack Locke fight scene, like you said earlier, mm. that it flowed it flowed so much better without the commercial break, just yeah. putting it together. So. It was really good. Um, this was a note from Michael Maloney on Chronologically Lost Sight about the episode. He said, on a side note, I decided in the end to include the DVD epilogue in this episode after all. I really wanted to separate it from the on-island story since Jack's death carried a certain finality to it, ultimately I decided to treat it as kind of a hidden track like you used to find on CDs, so I separated it from the rest of the episode with about 20 seconds of silence. I felt it worked well enough to do the trick. Um, comments on the, this episode on the site from Claiborne Griffin on December 7, 2012. I feel like the plain scene should have been split-screened with Jack walk through the bamboo or maybe a bit before as well. It seems like they must have flown around circles for a while before flying uh, over Jack's dying body. Michael Maloney got back on the 11th said, I don't know. That really ruins the moment of the final image of Jack closing his eyes. Besides, we don't have any evidence that would give us a clear view of when the plane is taking off in relation to Jack waking up, uh, walking through the bamboo it would be all speculation. So, um, I sp what do you think about that? Like, should they have shown no. them getting the plane together or um, getting ready to leave with him walking through? Um. <laughs> It's true. It kind of would have ruined the effect of those scenes. Mm. But at the same time, I would argue with Mike Maloney that his whole purpose here is to make it chronological, not to make a very striking scene. <laughs> so I would say if, yeah. if you're convinced that the the timeline should be different, as some of the watchers are apparently, then um, 
that would seem to trump any like concerns about split screen. And it would it would only be I think when he was walking through the jungle, not like the moment when he's laying down, um, because he just sees them so briefly fly over him. But you could you could give it thirty seconds or so at least because um, I mean the plane's taking off, but it's, well, it's taking off from Hydra Island too, and they're probably not up to just full a couple speed miles yet. away. Yeah, okay. a couple miles away, so maybe 30 seconds. And he's not walking through the jungle for that long that we're shown, but really it, it would t- – I mean, actually that was kind of a an issue um, that I was thinking about was just where these things are geographically <laughs> because right. they they played Hollywood and Vines. They hiked out to this spot from where they were, um, and then – it just takes Jack a minute in really bad shape to walk back to the bamboo where the shoe is. So we know it's the same spot where he woke up, where he ran through the jungle because he heard stuff on the beach and ran out to the beach camp. So I think the locations are a little bit messed up here. Um, As far as where he is, that shouldn't really work. Does it have anything to do with though going through the light cave and ending up where he so did he wash downstream a little bit? Because it didn't really look like a cave had just spit him out. Or maybe it did. I don't know. It just kind of dumped him out similarly to the way Man in Black was kind of dumped well, out the there. Cave but... it's, is the cave itself, though, I mean, or where the bamboo field is, like you said, there's nothing past there, um, is where that is could be anywhere where the cave, because you're only allowed to see it where it is once you're able to see. Mm. Is that something So it's like Jacob's cabin, it could just appear. Uh, Yeah, I wonder if it's something like that. But they seem to always think it's in the same spot. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, most people who know how to get to Jacob's cabin know how to get there, so I guess that could be. And I can't remember where they started hiking from. Where we don't really know where Jack and everybody came ashore, but they sent they sent Sawyer off to the well, so he had time to run off to the well to check for Desmond, then run back and catch up mm-hmm. with them as they are hiking up the hill, and then they run into Locke, and then they all walk together. <laughs> so it's just I don't know. The dimensions aren't really working out in my head, mm. but. That's okay. I'll forgive it. Some sort of time travel that happens. Yeah. Like <laughs> Abe and transporters. And, yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's like a transporter. <laughs> yeah. So if if that were the case, then, well, Mike Maloney's saying, oh, it's really kind of speculation when that happens. Lined up exactly when the plane would leave when he's laying down. But there is a point where they meet because he sees them. So. Mhm. So you could show, you could show him kind of waking up as the plane is taking off. Yeah, because like you're saying it was only a couple miles away. Mhm. Yeah. I fly very quickly. What's <laughs> <So laughs> the go at how fast this one was going? <laughs> but fast enough to get off the ground and 
Yeah, I think there should be some overlap there. I think they're right. Yeah, just a, just a smidge, maybe. They're, what do you think, when they're buckling up and just roaring down the runway? Maybe that's when he's walking through the bamboo? Yeah, or maybe just shots of Jack kind of interspersed with that. Mm. He's walking back to the plane. He's walking a little bit more back to the plane. He's laying down. Yeah, I think something could have been done there. Right. Jack lays down. Yeah. Why are you saying over. amen? Or have you been praying? You weren't praying out loud. Not like lift off. No, amen. Head <laughs> off the ground, and we're not dead, so that's good. Hmm. Well, oh, interesting stuff. Um, well, since we looked into uh, a little bit of time, we're going to look back and. Time of sorts with our VH1 has been. This is a look at real life history and pop culture happenings and factoids that are mentioned in this episode. Okay, VH1 has been. Like you said, there's a, a lot of good Sawyer nicknames this time, some other good stuff. So I'm going to start with. Uh, the mountaintop and the burning bush is a reference that Sawyer makes. Um, he says this to Jack right after Jack's kind of taken over for Jacob. And he says, are you coming down off the mountaintop? You know, done talking to the burning bush. So this is a reference to Moses in the Bible. He went up on Mount Sinai to receive God's law and God's instructions to pass on to the Israelite people. They had just come out of slavery in Egypt. They were on their way to the promised land, and they stopped at Mount Sinai. And uh, I think this... There's this kind of two parts here, the mountaintop and then the burning bush, and he says them in that order, so I'm going to talk about them in that order, even though chronologically they happen the other way around. So sorry, chronologically lost. I'm <laughs> breaking the rules here. Um, but I think this could be what Sawyer is referring to as the mountaintop experience. In Exodus 34, this is verses 29 to 33, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, and Aaron and all the leaders of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, the people of Israel came near. He commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. So that was a mountaintop experience where he came down, and you could tell that he had been in God's presence. So you can kind of tell here Jack's been in Jacob's presence. He's, he's different now. He's altered because of that. And then the burning bush, uh, this is much earlier in Moses' life. God had appeared to him in a burning bush um, to tell him that he was going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. So this is from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. 
Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So that is the burning bush reference. Next, inauguration. This is Sawyer's term about uh, Jack's becoming Jacob now. This is from dictionary.com. It means to induct into office with formal ceremony or install. The origin of it is uh, 1595 to 1605. Um, it comes from the Latin inauguratus. It's uh, inaugurare, to consecrate by augury, a person chosen for priesthood or other office, literally to take auguries. And I had to look up what auguries are. This is the art or practice of an augur, divination, an omen, token, or indication. And then uh, Wikipedia, um, this is timely for us here in the United States. The only inauguration element mandated by the United States Constitution is that the president make an oath or affirmation before that person can enter on the execution of the office of the presidency. However, over the years, various traditions have arisen that have expanded the inauguration from a simple oath-taking ceremony to a day-long event, including parades, speeches, and balls. Since 1937, Inauguration Day in the United States takes place on January 20th following a presidential election. The term of a president commences at noon on that day when the Chief Justice administers the oath to the president. However, when January 20th falls on a Sunday, the Chief Justice administers the oath to the president on that day privately and then again in a public ceremony the next day on Monday, January 21st. And I think that happened... uh, for one of Obama's inaugurations, or I guess he just had one, right? If you were reelected, I don't know if you get a second inauguration. <laughs> um, you do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, next is a comment from Hurley. He says about Jacob that he's worse than Yoda. And I'm sure everyone knows who Yoda is, but just in case, it's from Wikipedia. Yoda is a male member of a mysterious species. He was a revered Jedi master um, who served the Jedi Order in the waning days of the Galactic Republic. He was renowned within the Order for his wisdom, powers of the Force, and lightsaber combat, and he lived for nearly 900 years. And this uh, comment about Jacob being worse than Yoda, where he's kind of appearing and disappearing and telling him some things and not telling him enough information, um, Hurley is most likely referring to Yoda's unusual pattern of speech, impossible to see, the future is, Uh, or maybe his tendency to be a little bit cryptic. Um, For instance, when Luke first met Yoda, he pretended not to be Yoda for a while, or just saying as he was dying, there is another Skywalker, but not giving all the information. And then Hurley soon followed that up with another Star Wars reference. I've got a bad feeling about this. According to Wikipedia, I have a bad feeling about this is a well-known phrase in Star Wars series, which has become something of a running gag and it's heard almost as much as may the force be with you. <laughs> the phrase is spoken twice in episode four, new hope, and then at least once in each subsequent movie and also in some of the LucasArts games that are based on Star Wars. Uh, and if you've seen the force awakens and rogue one, you know, this phrase makes an appearance in both of those as well. The phrase even appears in non-Star Wars-related Lucas projects, such as Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and the Monkey Island series of LucasArts games. 
The expression also varies between bad, bad feeling, very bad feeling, or really bad feeling, and also I've got a bad feeling about this. And on Wikipedia, they have a list of all the places it appears in movies, and I believe they had a list going of where it appears in books and other expanding universe items too. Another Sawyer nickname, he says, easy Bigfoot to Hurley. From Wikipedia, in American folklore, Bigfoot, also known as Sasquatch, is a simian, ape, or hominid-like creature that is said to inhabit forests, mainly in the Pacific Northwest. Bigfoot is usually described as a large, hairy, bipedal humanoid. Scientists discount the existence of Bigfoot and consider it to be a combination of folklore, misidentification, and hoax rather than a living animal because of the lack of physical evidence and the large numbers of creatures that would be necessary to maintain a breeding population. Occasional reports of sightings sustain a small group of self-described investigators. Most reports of sightings are attributed to being various animals, particularly black bears. Bigfoot has had a demonstrable impact as a pop culture phenomenon. It has become entrenched in American popular culture and it is as viable an icon as Michael Jordan, with more than 45 years having passed since reported sightings in California, and neither an animal nor a satisfying explanation as to why folks see giant hairy men that don't exist. <laughs> and the last thing I have is Betamax. Ben mentions this in the New Man in Charge segment uh, from CNET.com. This is a story from November 10th, 2015. The title, Sony's Betamax, Long Thought Dead, officially gets last nail in its coffin. Sony finally acknowledges that the world didn't embrace its rival to the video cassette years after that format faded from the market, too. It turns out that Sony is still making video cassette tapes for its Betamax video recording system, largely vanquished from the gadget scene in the 1980s. Not for much longer, though, Sony announced Wednesday that it will stop producing Betamax tapes in March of next year. This will make the final shipment of all our memory media from Betamax, Sony said in a Japanese-language statement. Tech standards come and go, and for the most part, Betamax has been long gone. In its heyday, it was at the center of a cultural movement moment that may have been the first time consumers really had to worry about competing tech standards. Its battle with the rival VHS standard, the eventual winner, was a momentous one in an era when a television set was probably the most significant electronic device in many households. Sony introduced the Betamax format in 1975, a year before rival Japanese firm JVC unfailed the VHS tape. Both allowed recording and playback of TV shows and movies. Although many people considered Betamax to be a superior technology, VHS became the product of choice because it was cheaper and the tapes lasted three hours instead of one. Even Sony ended up selling VHS devices. Eventually, videotapes were trumped by DVD and Blu-ray discs, and later by digital video recorders and video streaming. In its announcement Tuesday, Sony said it would no longer produce its cassettes in Japan, the only remaining country where they are available. The company has not produced a Betamax recorder since 2002. Sony said it has sold more than 18 million units of Betamax devices worldwide since their debut. That is what I had for VH1 Happens. Oh, excellent. Yeah, we used to have a Betamax. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was. It's a superior machine. <laughs> it was just better, but yeah, yeah, definitely more expensive. That was the money, the money factor. Um, and, and oh yeah, a lot of Bigfoot stuff. Even Six Million Dollar Man had a Bigfoot episode. It was very well known. Huh. <laughs> yeah, very big in the seventies for sure. 
even when I was in high school, my friends were all planning to go hunt for Yeti. I don't know why, but <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna go hunt for mythical creatures. Great. Sure. <laughs> why not? Did you find the hurly bird too? <laughs> I found him, but he only flew away. Wow. Uh, to do that. Do you leave any gold? <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess it's me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that will remain a mystery. Now, <laughs> since we're in a mysterious mood, let's move on to the jungle mystery, a discussion of questions and mysteries that were introduced but never or partly or fully answered, plus any related questions we have now. Okay, do you have any questions for the Jungle Mystery this week? Oh, I do. I feel like I have more than usual. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> and this is supposed to be the end. This is supposed to wrap stuff up. But, um, do you think um, it makes a difference that Jack volunteers versus being chosen by Jacob? And I'm just wondering this because of the man in black's reaction where he's like, oh, Jacob chose you. And Jack's like, mm-hmm. no, actually, I volunteered. Like, is that significant? I think it is. I think it had a difference with the outcome. Um, Now, I don't know if he's getting information at all from from Jacob because of that. We saw some of their talk out in the jungle, but there might have been more. I don't know. Do you think he's you know, like Obi-Wan Kenobi in that sense of, is he still talking to Jack? Or once those ashes were gone, he's gone? I think he's, he's gone, yeah. You think there's just a certain amount of knowing? Mm-hmm. I mean, even though Jacob said, well, I didn't get to choose it, it's like, well, could have said no. I mean, did he choose it because of his his mother? For whatever reason, he chose it. You know, he still has uh, the ability to know what he does and has some power. Um, yeah, does that affect whether you choose it or not? Um, what do you think as far as uh, the level of power? I guess I'd, I'd go back to my theme with the irreversible part where, I don't know, if you volunteer and then you decide to step down, maybe it makes a, a difference there. I don't know. Maybe you can decide to step down and, and hand off the responsibility at any time. Um, and I guess Ben kind of gets at that in this episode when when he says to Hurley, oh, we need to get Desmond home. And Hurley's like, wait, he can just leave the island? And Ben's like, you know, Jacob had a way of doing things you can run things however you want, basically. You know, if you want people to come and go from the island all the time, that's fine. We can send Desmond home. It doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to be that we trap people there. So it, it could just be a weird Jacob quirk. You know, it might not be a, yeah. a hard and fast rule. How would Ben know this? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I think I'm always insight for. Um, well, he's he's seen both Jacob and the man in black die now. So. Yeah. He's probably like, you know what? As long as nothing is stopping us, we can do whatever we want. I guess so. I guess there were Jacob's rules. Jacob's no more. 
And since that has been reset, the whole thing has been physically reset on the island, um, whoever's taking over, and it wasn't going to be Jack. And he knew that before he went in there. Mm -hmm. And did that matter, too, that he handed that off before he went into the cave to Hurley? Um, I don't think it mattered as far as his ability to actually accomplish what he went in there to do. But, I mean, as far Um, as, like, Hurley being in charge, would it have made a difference? Oh, yeah. Like, if he hadn't handed it off, then what would have happened? Right. If he had died without handing it off? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, cause I think anybody anybody could decide to protect the island, but I think you maybe get the extra benefits if you have the official handoff, like mm-hmm. longevity, I'm assuming, yeah. for Hurley. But I don't know. I mean, we don't really know whether Hurley lived extra, extra long or if he just lived a normal life. And then Hurley must have done something like uh, Jacob did for Richard to Ben. Because he was there with him, as far as we know, we'll see later that you know knows how long. We just don't know how long it lasts. Yeah, we don't know how long. Could have been thousands of years, probably. Well, yeah, it it know. really could have. We don't know. Um, you think their money I, would run out? Yeah, <laughs> oh, he's got a Ben has his connections. Uh, this kind of ties in with last week Desmond and speaking to Saeed and that whole thing was like speaking. So does Des know, even though we hadn't seen it explained to him about the power of speaking, letting MIB speak to him or MIB keeping his word kind of thing. So uh, does Des know that uh, now because of what he's been through since he survived Electrobox here and seeing the mm. other side. Does he have a power similar to MIB? Uh, the way he spoke to Saeed and how that kind of woke him up. You know, is it kind of in reverse in that sense of um, and him saying, you know, I have to have to word, you know. Yeah, and he just seems immune to everything, too. Mm-hmm. So, could Desmond just be immune to the man in black's persuasive talk <laughs> just kind of by virtue of being unaffected by electromagnetism or having that mindset that none of this matters and it doesn't matter. I just want to go on to the next place already. Yeah. 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 It's hard to know because they both in their own way survived something similar. Yeah. Okay, one to the, you know, the Swan Hatch and whatever rig that <laughs> Widmore had going on. So they, they, I don't know if there's something that that happens. That. Uh, you got another question? Uh sure. So, do you think that there is a parallel between? The smoky drain, where you pull the drain, the water drain, uh-huh. something happens, and the electromagnetic island plug drain, <laughs> where the water drains out, it's bad, and then uh-huh. once they plug it up again, the water comes back. Um, is that a parallel we're supposed to see, or is that just kind of a coincidence, or they're just trying to, to mirror those those elements? Well, there's certainly a lot of mirrors going on 
on this episode too. Um, smoke, smoke and mirrors, smoky and mirrors. Yeah, lots of smoky and mirrors <laughs> and water. <laughs> um, yeah, well, when he unplugged that drain or whatever, um, that called the monster with Ben. Thought he had control, he didn't. But or was the monster called? But the, um, in this one. The water stops. So is there something about the water? The water drains in the first one with Ben. Then the smoke monster shows up. Here, the water drains. It stops. And supposedly, that was supposed to fail, but then he becomes mortal. So yeah, so is it connected to the water? Or is it just connected to the plug? Is it connected to the light? I guess the light is maybe that's more what they want us to focus on because they do talk about that a lot, and that is what they're supposed to protect is the light itself. Yeah, I think it's the light itself, but I wonder if, like, it might be that's why he thought it was going to work the way he wanted it to because if it is similar mm-hmm. to something that Ben was doing by releasing that. Uh, releasing the plug from the drain um, that, I mean, you saw how powerful it was when he did that. It's probably like the the strongest we've ever seen, the smoke monster. Yeah. Uh, So is that what he was expecting to happen? Like it was going to make him invincible at that point instead of makes him mortal? Yeah, I don't know that he seemed pretty surprised that he was suddenly mortal. So I don't yeah. think he was expecting that at all. I I think he must have assumed that that was a permanent state he would be in. I think yeah, it's that's... weird that the water stops running down from the waterfall above because mm. there shouldn't have been anything stopping up the water. Like it should keep running down through the drain, but there's nothing about the water and the light being together because they pull out the plug, everything drains. Mm-hmm. There's still some light there but it looks like more like molten lava and it's yeah. not the electromagnetic yeah. <laughs> light combined with the water that's sort of the normal normal state of holding the island together down there. So what's up? Do you have another oh. question? Yeah. Um, why didn't Jack die in the light cave? That's when the old standbys. <laughs> why huh. Not going through that, uh, especially being stabbed and going through the electromagnetism and everything down there and lifting that very heavy <laughs> yeah. plug and everything. Or so, why didn't he turn into the smoke monster? Why didn't he turn into the smoke monster? Or maybe he did after he closed his eye and died and he came back as a smoke monster. We've just never hey. seen it. Yeah, <laughs> then Hurley and Ben had to deal with it. But they knew him, so they were like, hey, can you be our Cerberus, our our security (laughs) system? Did a lot have to do, though, when he went into the light cave, though, as opposed to um, MIB when he went in there. Oh, he may have gone in there. He murdered somebody, and he was just, like, really full of anger. and, um, And Well, he was unconscious, right? Like, Jacob threw him in there. Wasn't he unconscious? 
possibly he wasn't dead. Conscious. I mean, yeah, it could um, be different if you go in dead versus going in alive. Um, it, it could be for Jack that the attitude was different. Well, the attitude is different, but also just exposure to electromagnetism. He's had his fair share of that too. Desmond, of course, has had more, way, way, way more, and so he can handle a lot more. But Jack has had some exposure, so anybody who spent time on the island, I would assume, would do better than anyone who hasn't spent time on the island before. Like if Wood, well, not Woodmore, he's a bad example, or maybe like recently. Um, but if Penny tried to go in there and survive that, she couldn't. Mm. But Jack, Jack maybe could. I'm kind of, I am surprised that he pulled himself out of out of yeah. the little pool there um, unless it just washed him out because he did look like he was just sort of waking up outside later. So maybe it's kind of a mechanism of the island to, yeah. okay, you've, you've done your job here. Let me move you out. I don't care if you're living or dead. I'm just going <laughs> to move you outside. <laughs> Let me pull you along with the current. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the artistic portion of the film where it's <laughs> showing yeah. you. It's like we wanted to come full circle with his eye and you know, laying down in the field. And stuff. Wouldn't be the same in the cave. <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. But yes, as far as, well, we've seen the island does what it wants with other things that seem another irreversible, you know, um, people popping up and you think, they were dead, right? <laughs> Kind of uh, an instance in this episode. Um, we thought Frank was long gone, so like, but he had a purpose. So does the island do things that seem like that should not have been possible? Side, okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Um, I lost track of what the question was there. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I, just that, um, you know, sometimes he's, like with Frank, <laughs> it shouldn't have been possible. You oh, know, he should have gone. The... But the island needed him to, like, fly the plane. <laughs> so. Uh, Did they even need to get off the island? Because Charlie's <laughs> like, oh, we can let anybody go <laughs> <laughs> they risked their lives on this rickety airplane. <laughs> but they didn't like, know. I guess they yeah. didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Because the island was falling apart and they had, I mean, the runway was breaking. And up until that point, they didn't know and there was no way to contact them. I mean, even Hurley didn't know what was going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can do what you want. Oh, okay. You can figure out how to get Des on <laughs> Uh, you got another question? Yeah. Um, let's see. The new man in charge hints that Hurley, the Hurley bird is a hybrid or high bird, as he jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think it's a hybrid of? Like two birds or a bird and something else? Hmm. Did you, did you notice any hints that the other picture could be? No, nothing specifically. It, 
they just made sure you heard it squawking mm-hmm. to sound like Hurley. So maybe it's like part parrot, since it almost sounds like it's speaking words or some other bird that speaks. I don't know a lot about birds. Mockingjay. So. <laughs> <laughs> something supernatural that they were mm. messing around with. Some of that. Half polar bear. <laughs> polar bear. That would be interesting. How they did that. Um, hmm. Don't know. What the island's for? Experiments. Yeah, it could have been one of Walt's birds mm. that ended up hitting the wall. Um, get messed up. So that could have been it's just, an experiment. It's interesting that they call it a hybrid because yeah. If you I don't know, would you would you call it that if you like mix two dog species, would you be like, "Well, we made this hybrid." A hybrid is like if you if you mix like plants, right? Or like yeah. this kind of corn and that like kind of corn, like, "Ooh, we made a corn hybrid." <laughs> so yeah. or they take like two different like, vegetables it's be more like broccoli. <laughs> This is like half corn, half bird. <laughs> it's a bird that can eat it, eat itself, <laughs> sustain itself. <laughs> it's just weird that That's they call it a hybrid. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I would think it's a bird and something else, because otherwise you wouldn't call it a hybrid. Yeah. So anyway, we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I just. The Dharma shark? Interesting oh. to ask. Um, yeah. <laughs> the bird shark. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sharknado. Um, so, <laughs> this is the last one that I have here, I think. Uh, the Dharma Initiative considered the Room 23 treatment was not a violation of the truth because of the amnesia effect of the interrogation. Did I hear that correctly? <laughs> um and do you think that Ben Richard or anybody else we know from the others have been under those interrogations that they don't know <laughs> they were? And did they use this on their own people in Dharma? Oh, I'm sure they did. <laughs> Especially they did not the uh, fair Carl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> only Ben was the only one who used it. Uh, yeah, I mean, did they... That was part of it. I know they were supposed to act like they're doped up because they got off the sub when they got mm-hmm. there. Do you think they might have brought them to room 23? I don't know. That could if be a little neck and then. That. I, maybe if they woke up from the sedation or something and they didn't want them to remember. But I think the sedation's enough for the average person as long as you're on board with what Dharma's doing. I think if, if you became disillusioned there on the island and – you said, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to go tell the world where you are. You know, you don't know how you can do that, but you figure you'll come up with a way. And if you maybe became disgruntled, then I could totally see them using it. So here's another question with that. Why did they go to Oldham then? Now, unless that, <laughs> unless that wasn't yet, until they got the stations fully operational. Maybe that's they didn't have this particular thing. Just... Oh, it will be fully operational when your friends 
All right. <laughs> um, let's see. Olden was in the 70s, and this yeah. was also in the 70s. Yeah. Hmm. That's an interesting question. Hmm. Well, Olden was more of an interrogator. He was like to find out the truth, not necessarily to white people's minds. So I guess they could do different things. But, but they said in the effects of a, of the interrogation. So that's what they would do. They would take people from, you know, they take the hostiles or whatever, and they'd stick a needle in their neck, and they put them through room 23, yeah. and they talked about how they had, you know, their their godlike figure, Jacob, and all that. So, yeah. Uh, and then the amnesia, it's like, it's like you weren't interrogated at all. So it's not really a violation of the truth, because you don't remember it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um semantics huh <laughs> yeah you know so the, the fine points of things so um yeah did they have that when Saeed was there or do you think that was something that was later on but didn't use it because you think well they're interrogating they're trying to find him, find out why not just put him in room 23 with the, he won't remember mhm that's a good point. Sort of mm. psychedelic or whatever they said they put in the, the needle. Mm. Weird stuff. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my last question is why would Ben and Hurley want to stop the pallet drops? Where are they going to get their food from now? Hmm. That's interesting. Or they just well, leave, come and go as they please and go grocery shopping every week? Amazing. <laughs> droids or drones or whatever they're going to have. <laughs> Star Wars or <laughs> the droids or the drones, one or the other. Uh, they, well, from the sounds of it, he's come to help, but I wonder if this was the point where Hurley and Ben were going to move on and they were they were gearing up to put Walt in charge and then help him, help his dad, and then they will eventually be able to move on. But You, hmm, you think they're moving on so soon? Because Walt's still a teenager. Well, yeah, I guess so. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be very long after. Walt's immortal. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> He's just been in Santa Rosa for like thousands of years. Oh, poor Walt. I know. Uh, that's a lot of connect for. So, uh, <laughs> hmm. Uh, well, it might have been gearing up for that. I mean, for them, been the beginnings of that training of Walton. It's been many years after that, but um, that might have been like the beginnings. Of them, maybe they get like born bananas. <laughs> I mean, Dharma was closing shop. They're done with that, and done with the stations, and done with all that stuff off island. So they're just like, oh, yeah. Maybe they just deciding to make food another way. Maybe they have ways to do that on the island. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, just kind of a regime change, do things differently. Mm-hmm. There's no need for the whole 
Dharma Initiative front anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. You've got these two guys in this warehouse who are wearing Dharma jumpsuits, and they have no idea why. But you could do away with that and still do the, the palette drops, but um, I don't know. But giving them a nice severance package, it just it does show that there's a, a new and different way of, of doing things. Um, now I'm thinking about, uh, was it Zacchaeus and Jesus? When mm-hmm. when Zacchaeus started following Jesus and then was like, oh, you know what? I've been cheating people, but I'm going to do things differently now. And I'm going to go repay the people that I stole from and pay them back like two times or four times what I stole from them. And that that's kind of is what's happening here. Is ben would never have done that on his own, but now he's following Hurley. And Hurley's got a different way of doing things. And so right. Ben's like, here's your really nice severance package. I think you'll be able to do whatever you want pretty much. <laughs> Right. Well, now we've wrapped those questions up. Let's uh, move on to the Never Let It Fade Away segment. This is a nostalgic moment spotlight. We talk about one item that enhanced our experience as devoted Lost fans. could be a podcast, could be a video, artwork, a song, a blog, a prop, a book, a time you save someone a bullet, etc., etc., etc. For Never Let It Fade Away this time, I have a video that I've been saving for this very episode. This is the fan-made series finale trailer by The Black Box. Black Box also has some theme videos for Lost that I recommend checking out. But I just want to talk about his finale trailer. Um, He released this on May 14, 2010. So, like, what, nine days before the finale aired? (laughs) It was perfect. It's two minutes long. And it it has this epic music. His notes on the video say that the song is Shooting Star, Stardust. Um, And it just sounds really epic, like movie trailer epic. Um, He puts some kind of title cards up there. The most anticipated episode in television history. The end of Lost. The final chapter. The epic series finale. Find yourself. Um, he, He shows all these scenes that kind of set up the conflict going on between Jacob and the Man in Black. Um, the longest voiceover kind of scene that he shows is Locke talking about how special the island is, how they're brought there for a reason with Jack. And then lots of quick flashes of favorite scenes, memorable scenes, sentimental scenes, just like people gathering on the beach when somebody would come back, you know, around the corner, around the bush. Hey, look who's back. Those kind of scenes. So he definitely tugged on all the heartstrings and, and made you feel all the feels with this great series finale trailer really got us ready for the finale that was soon to air. To date, this video has 914,000 views, so good work. It's It's been well viewed through the Lost community, so uh, that is what I have for Never Let It Fade Away this time. Cool. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm one of those 900,000 people. Well, we will fix that. <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of uh, video watching back then, and uh, trailers and things, but very good. I will definitely be checking out whether it's to jog my memory. It's like, oh yes, you've seen this or uh I oh, I bet you've seen it. I don't know. I, I may have. I'll it. be surprised if you haven't. <laughs> Especially you're passing stuff back and forth. Did you see this? <laughs> oh yeah, I mean the flood of stuff. Yes. Especially right before we're gonna watch the finale. It's like although things were also pretty tense as far as like spoilers. So I do wonder if there was something oh, like yeah. 
ooh, what if somebody put something? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, extra caution. I'll be checking that out to find out, and it will not be spoiled either way. So, uh, <laughs> thanks, Anna. And now, um, for from us quite a bit, it is time to hear from you. It's time for the Coconut Internet. Okay, so we have some tweets from Adam from NZ at ADZ underscore NZ. This is December 31st. Uh, okay, so I don't think they can do whatever they want. That envelope doesn't look it has much money in it. How much do you think? <laughs> what do you think about that? <laughs> Just talking about the, the severance package. Um, yeah, it looked like $100 bills, right? It's hard to... Do you think there were some was, uh, was black options? Tell. And there some... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some bear bonds? Something going on there? We don't... So here's, here's, here's $300. Go <laughs> go buy an island. Have a nice dinner. <laughs> <laughs> really nice dinner. Yeah. Yeah, he should have handed them a suitcase. I mean, it was a pretty fat envelope. Were they $100,000 bills? Did they make that? $100,000 bills? I don't know. They do. We Google, what is the largest denomination of U.S. money? That's what Ben put in there. Hmm. Okay. There were Dharma bucks. The largest U.S. currency now in circulation is a $100 bill. Hmm. That's not enough hundred dollar bills to make that worth it. No. <laughs> Unless Ben was being sarcastic, but I don't think Ben's sarcastic like that anymore. Did he? Uh, well, let's see. Widmore had a lot of properties, <laughs> and the Economist. <laughs> There's some like title deeds in there. <laughs> he might... <laughs> Just Penny was staying away from Widmore. So they didn't even. I mean, did he did he liquidate some of his stock? I don't know. Um, there's a check in there too. There's <laughs> a big check. Here's yeah. Here's a few hundred to you know get you started, get you some cab fare, get out of here. And those Another last producers should have known we would pick this apart. <laughs> <laughs> well, Adam they got lazy for sure. He he was right on that. So good job, yeah. Adam. Right Lovely. on the money. There you right go. Right on the money. Yeah. Right on it. <laughs> <laughs> Another one from Adam. This is uh, so Jack knew that Man in Black would lose his powers. Right? It seems that way. Watching it again. Hmm. Well, what do you think of that. Jack, as the man of faith that he now is, just seemed to have faith that. Something was going to work out. I think when he mm. said it's a surprise, he had no idea what he was going to do. But he thought that things would turn out all right and good would triumph over evil. And <laughs> Well, he figured, well, he was saying Desmond's here for, you know, a reason. He's got to be like a weapon. He's got to be something. And yeah. then uh, you but look Desmond at his face, was... he's, you know, he's looking like when, when uh, what happened in the cave. He's like, what? <laughs> it looked like... What is that supposed to work? Yeah. And, you know, and then he comes out and just starts 
beating on him. So, <laughs> on MIB. So, did he just get something instinctual then? Say, nope, this has got to be, this has got to work. Did he, yeah, did he think that that was going to, to happen? It's like, well, just because I'm seeing this not working out, there's got to be something that's deeper than what I'm seeing with my eyes. There has to be something more to that. Is, you know, is that the faith that's propelling him to say, nope, this worked. I know it just because I can't see it right now. There's got to be some other evidence that worked. Mm. Yeah. I, mm. Or did he just get frustrated and start beating on him like he beat on Ben? <laughs> yeah, Jack does that occasionally. It hasn't it happened a lot this season, but every, every so often, it was yeah. Two. Yeah. Every three three seasons, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he knew how it was all going to turn out. Um, but he just sort of took the only opportunity he could. It's smart of him not to let Man in Black out of his sight to say, okay, we can all travel together, which is, yeah, it's weird. You know, usually you're kind of going separate ways from your enemy to try to take him down. But <laughs> in this case, it worked out to all go together. And even he's helping him. It's like, this is so weird. Like, you're helping him destroy the island. Um, but then you have to go back in and ah. fix it later yourself. So. <laughs> is it like the death? Anyway, um, so, uh, good thoughts there, Adam, about this oh. week's episode. Uh, Adam also wrote, Happy New Year. Sadly, it will bring the end of Lost in Order. But it was great to listen to the show and watch this episode on New Year's. So we'll go ahead and come out for you a little treat on New Year's. You guys out there in, in Cat Caps at Cat Caps. On December 31st, so thank you for all the podcasts. I can't believe you're finally ending, getting to the end. 2017 will be bittersweet. Happy New Year. So thank you to Kat and to Adam for those well wishes and mm-hmm. kind words. And just, uh, yeah, it, yeah, it's very strange <laughs> that we are closing shop pretty soon. I know. I can't believe it's been like three years that we've been working on this. I know. It's been, when you think about it, if we've been podcasting longer than we originally podcasted. Yes. <laughs> that was the first time through because I mean, we started, I started podcasting like right at the edge of the hiatus, the end of season four into season five. Mm-hmm. And uh, hmm. you guys are there about season four, right? Um. Yeah, well, okay. in time for season five, yeah. Yeah, so you're like, was it before before season five started, though, you guys were doing? Yeah, uh, we might have done a little bit of ramp up. Yeah. I forget. So, yeah, about the same. <laughs> <laughs> when it originally aired, so, yeah, maybe even longer. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if you all out there, like Kat and like Adam, they sent us their thoughts and their feedback about uh, the podcast, Chronologically Lost or Lost in General. You can do the same. You can uh, leave a comment on our blog, lostinorderpodcast.wordpress.com. If you want to send us a tweet, you can send it to us at, at lostinorder. 
we have an email address is lost in order podcast at gmail dot com and we have a voicemail regular charge supply at one three three four three one six l o s t or three one six five six seven eight you can subscribe and or leave a review on iTunes lost in order and or on the lost podcasting network and we are also included on the newly formed rewatching good t v network and iTunes Please go check that out, and a special thank you to Matt for putting us on there. We also are on Stitcher Radio and Google Play, so please leave reviews there as well. It would be very much appreciated. Also, if you'd like to hear our commercial for Lost in Order and The Amazing Lost Scarf, go check out Sergeant Drano, Station 7, The Door Podcast. Uh, they let us advertise as sponsors on the podcast. So um, Station 7 is just finished... The Walking Dead, they're in mid-season. They just finished that. So they also watch other zombie-related shows on there. And uh, <laughs> they might pick up again where they left off on their last rewatch. So uh, go check them out. I also want to mention and say thank you to Getting Lost with Adam and Clint. On iTunes and Stitcher Radio, Adam has watched Lost many, many times through, and Clint hasn't seen a single episode before the started podcast. So as of this recording, they are on Season 3, Episode 15, Left Behind. So go check out Getting Lost. As you notice, we have a new theme for a new era. It's seeing is Leaving by Chris Yale. We found it on the nolongermusicalley.com. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. And this will be the last time we will be using this theme song to start mm-hmm. the show and replacing it with our final song for the final era for episodes 97 to 101. And speaking of approaching the 100th-ish on their episode, we are having a contest. Another contest thing, and we are um, going to be 100 regular episodes in about five episodes. So just a few episodes from now, we are uh, going to do a coconut internet sort of thing over the past now three years going on. You've heard quite a few attempts at <laughs> lost character voices, whether they just spontaneously erupt or whatever <laughs> they have. <laughs> uh, so you heard a lot of them from us. We want to hear them from you. So. We want your imitations of lost characters that you enjoy and you just can't help doing. Maybe it's Boone or Danielle or Bernard or Kimi or Randy Nations from the Box Factory, Mr. Klux and Circuit House. Any one of your choosing, we want to hear them. And we will be selecting names for a chance to win prizes. What are those prizes we're talking about a little bit? Yes, we have... Two prizes in mind. The first prize will be a set of the Lost Diecast cards. You may have seen this, the set of four. We've probably talked about it before. You know, the Dharma Van, Jack's Truck, Curly's Camaro. What's the fourth car? Oh, Lost, Lost Red Beetle. So there's a cool little set of these Diecast cards. That will be first prize. And the second prize will be a digital, digital music download. Wendy has some Lost music in mind. Um, and if you already have it, then I'm sure we can work out something else. Um, but in addition to that, we'd also like to send a extra copy of the program from the Lost concert that we attended a few months ago. 
and we will sign that and send that to you along with that digital music download. So those are the prizes. That is what is at stake here. Yes. So knowing that, go forth and send us really great lost quotes and imitations of lost characters, a picture of yourself eating invisible peanut butter. I don't know what you want to send us, but <laughs> probably not that. <laughs> not any bow written on your hand. So low. That's, that's cool. <laughs> he loves invisible peanut butter. <laughs> I saw somebody writing about this online the other day, and they were like, I've never cried so hard when seeing somebody eat peanut butter before. <laughs> Some of those first-time Lost Watchers. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Well, uh, you can send your loss imitations to us again by phone. Our number again is one three three four three one six L O S T or three one six five six seven eight. Or you can attach an MP three or four of your imitation to an, our email lost in order podcast at gmail dot com. Any thoughts before we go out and end the show? Uh, just to encourage people to submit stuff for the contest. And uh, thanks for the feedback and the tweets this week. We love hearing from you all. Um, looking forward to uh, to these next few episodes because I don't remember anything really about the flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks to you, Wendy, for being an awesome co-host. And uh, I don't know what we're going to do when this is all over. But, uh, I know. <laughs> we'll make more plans and do more exciting things eventually so yeah um have to work on that so thanks everybody (laughs) yeah well i want to thank everybody for listening and downloading subscribing and tweeting and retweeting commenting following forwarding putting us on lists a nice list that like hey i like you not like naughty list (laughs) feedback any kind of support of loss and order in general Anyway, at all, we very much appreciate, and uh, we want to thank Mr. Axel Foley for our intro and outro of the podcast, and Mr. Michael Maloney for doing all he did, including that amazing cut that he put on there in this episode for the fight. That he spent the time to do that for us to enjoy. Thank him very much, and of course, I want to thank Anna, bring Anna, bring her style and research skills and editing skills and publishing the podcast and being an outstanding co-host and friend. And if I saw her get hit in the face by a highly pressurized metal door propelled by tons of ocean water then somehow managed to survive it without so much as a chip tooth, I wouldn't even question it because that's the kind of person Anna is. Aww. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Next time... <laughs> On Lost in Order podcast, episode 097. It's a mystery what's going to happen next. And now this episode of Lost in Order is ending. As we are known to do, we will leave you with a question. If I leave a trail, can you catch up with us?